Empowerment Podcast, where we share info and solutions that empower. Today's focus is on small business solutions. I'm Raisa, and I'm here with my co-host, Sky. Good evening, Raisa. How are you? All is well, and very excited to be talking about something that is important to a lot of us out there as more women are turning to entrepreneurship, either for fulfillment or as a result of downsizing. It can be challenging to stay ahead of today's fast-paced and competitive landscape. While entrepreneurship puts us in the unique position to be our own boss, to have flexibility, to charge what we are actually worth, and to have more control over our future and to follow our passions, We're still often challenged as a startup in how to turn that all into revenue or as a seasoned business to increase revenue. Statistically, women have to do this with limited dollars and maximum creativity, since banks are often biased when it comes to lending to women businesses. Yet we do it. We do it every day, and we do it in droves. From 2007 to 2018, women-owned businesses grew by 58%, with black women-owned businesses growing at the rate of 164%. Black women are the only ethnic group with more business ownerships than our male counterparts. Yet, the revenue gap is jaw-dropping. According to the Federal Reserve, on average, Annual sales at businesses owned by black women are two times smaller than the next lowest demographic group, Hispanic women, and close to five times smaller than for all women-owned businesses. And one powerful way to bridge that gap is effective marketing, with digital marketing giving you the biggest bang for your buck. So in today's episode, Up Your Marketing Game Again, we'll share tips on what you need for that edge to stay ahead of the game. We added again because marketing is not a set it and forget it modality, as our guest, Leela Woodward of the brand Leela will attest to. Leela has long determined that not only would the world see her, they would hear her too. As a successful marketing leader, she does the same for her clients. Leela, welcome to the show. Yes, welcome. We have Leela on the line. Can you hear me? Yes. Welcome, Leela. Oh, hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we are grateful to have you with us today. And having worked with you, I can attest to your expertise and awesome support. Would you please Thank tell you. us more? You're welcome. Tell us more about your background and your unique journey as an innovative marketing executive. Absolutely. Um, well, I started this journey, and not to date myself, but a couple of decades ago. Um, just literally kind of fell into marketing. Uh, my original desire, believe it or not, was to be an attorney, but uh, that work was very linear for me and didn't allow for a lot of, as you can imagine, creative expression. And so um, by way of that, I, I ended up at Sears in the dot-com world 
um, way back when and really started to learn the space of marketing. And, you know, what led me to really love it was just the balance between, like, that research and understanding the psychology of people um, in addition to being able to be creative around that space. And so from there, um, I I went on and worked in a number of Fortune 500 and um, even smaller types of companies that eventually led me to my own consulting agency. And, you know, within my agency, I've worked in a number of sectors, whether it be entertainment, insurance, non-for-profits, what have you. And um, I decided that, you know, it's just really time to help the small business owner because I feel like sometimes some of these small business books say, they toot that that space where it's like, oh, well, most of the small business owners fail um, within this time to this time, but they don't tell you why. And a Mm -hmm. huge part of the why is because they're not um, given the proper tools in order to be successful. And so you can know all of the ins and outs of your business, so you know your operations. But if you don't know that marketing side and how to reach your audience, you know, no one can help you there. So so that's been my biggest um, you know, my, the, the area in which I champion the most, which is the small business owner, um, just because I think it's important for them to have the tools to avoid the, the pitfalls, if you will, to be successful. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned pitfalls, and maybe we can start off with what those major pitfalls are and then delve deeper into how we address those pitfalls. Absolutely. Well, one of the main ones that I find um, with a number of clients and even just um, in in my own studies and research around the space of of being a business owner is, first of all, determining your actual target demographics um, Mm -hmm. and then knowing how to speak to them. So taking a step back to determining your target demographic, what I've seen is that, you know, of course, we want to be able to sell our wares, our services, and our products to everybody. But the reality is there is this special group that that product is for, and we really need to identify who they are. Um, and it's, it's not these broad uh, 20 to 50-year-old. You know, it's, it's more like 45 to 50 or 40 to 50-year-old. And um, where do they, you know, what ethnicity are they? So how much do they make? What is their disposable income? Like, and then dig a little bit deeper into the psychology of the person is how you really learn how to speak to them. And that's where do they shop? You know, what do they do in their pastime? And so those are some of that. That's like one of the biggest pitfalls that I find. And then from that point, if you can figure out how to speak to them, I mean, you've conquered half the journey. So you speak to them where they are. Mm-hmm. And even and where they're going. So not just where they are, but where they're going as well. Where they're going. Good point. Mm-hmm. Because it's really about fulfilling a need. Well, you know, it's it's looking looking at needs and looking at trends. So if you think about, you know, let's say 10 years ago, um, the usage of a social media, right, what that looks like, or even the usage of Internet, what you have predicted that the majority of people um, would be using, say, their cell phones or their digital devices as opposed to their computers to access online tools or even, you know, something like an Instagram that doesn't really have an online platform. You can use the online platform, but it's not as 
um, robust, if you will, as the handheld one. And so you may have not known that yourself, but sometimes if you dug around into the research of where systems are going, a company called Forrester, Forrester Research, predicted back in uh, 2012 that, you know, within a five- to six-year period, more people would be using their handheld devices um, rather than their laptops or their desktops. And so that would have given you a lot of understanding of how to reach your client in that particular case. Um, and then from that point, you get to look at the various platforms to say, okay, well, how do I reach them? So um, I feel like we've had this conversation in the sense of, like, Facebook versus Instagram versus LinkedIn versus Twitter, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I think that with those, each one of those platforms, you can deliver a very similar message, but you have to curtail it to how people um, absorb information from that platform. Mm. And so really you are, you are sharing the same information, but you're crafting it differently depending on the platform or Absolutely. similar information. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it, let, let, let's, let me give you an example. When I'm on Facebook, um, I am more interested in being able to click on an article or even read someone's caption because I know there's going to be a little more information there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're on Instagram, you literally are more about the pictures. You really don't look at the captions as much because you're just scrolling through, right? You're scrolling, you're liking, you're scrolling, you're liking. Um, when you go somewhere like LinkedIn, you can get that same message but it needs to be more from a business perspective. I'm not looking as much from a personal for a personal opinion unless it's based um, from a thought leader's perspective and how it can uh, move you ahead in either your career or business. Um, and then when you look at Twitter, Twitter is sound bites, right? Give me a, a link, maybe to an article, but it's more sound bites and more opinions in that space. And so it's a great space to drop that type of thing. So if that gives you a little bit of understanding between those different platforms. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you. No problem. So we addressed um, one mistake, and that being not identifying the target market and then how to drill down and address that market in social media. What are other mistakes that you see that small business owners are making as they build their marketing campaign? Well, um, the next, well, there's there's two that really come to mind. One would be, um, from an operational standpoint, creating uh, excellent customer experiences, right? So, so what are you doing to create those those customer experiences that really leave an impression on that client and you know, or prospect even to take them through that customer journey from being just a prospect to being a loyalist or an advocate. And an advocate is that person who toots your horn, who, you know, screams from the rooftop, you should try this product, right? Um, and, and customer experience, that leads me to the second point, comes from delivering, you know, exceptional customer service as well as products consistently. And so consistency tends to be a space where some small business owners um, kind of miss the mark. And so consistency becomes a conversation around brands, Right. So how your brand looks, um, how you serve it up on a regular basis, the colors you use, your logo, how you treat your logo, the fonts that you use. Um, I give a, a, a good example of this. I could take an Apple computer, 
And if I took the logo off of Apple and you are an Apple loyalist, right, you would not buy that computer. It could be the exact same computer. And why is that? Because Apple has created this relationship with their loyalists that they're going to provide them with a particular quality of product, a certain level of service on a consistent basis. Now, you know, that could be argued a little bit with some of the things that have come up in the news, but Apple loyalists don't care about the bleep in the system because for so long that bleep didn't exist. So unless Apple continuously um, have those number of leaks where, you know, they're, they're causing those challenges, they won't have a problem even with the loyalists. So that's creating that brand following. Yeah, the, it, it's, uh, it's definitely creating um, brand awareness, and it also, you know, it creates the, the brand loyalists as well. They, they, they aren't going anywhere. Unless you do something extremely um, malicious, or, you know, you forget about them, if you will. And you spoke to fonts and logo, something that's immediately recognizable. In Apple's case, of course, it's the Apple, which is a common mm-hmm. household item, but they turned it into their thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you recall, early on in the days, they, they, you, they were Apple, but they went by, like, their product was Macintosh, which is also a mm-hmm. type of Apple. So they kept it in that space even as they evolved. So they've had a number of um, of changes to their to their brand aesthetics, but it still is consistent going back to the founding of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you also talked to um, focusing on potential customer needs, and Apple does a great job of that, and so that loyalty is there as well. Well, they found a need that they could fill, and then they fill it in their model better than anyone else. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, that's their specialty, and, and their ability to have people meet you where you are especially like when you go into an Apple store, right, You have, as opposed to having to go to a register, they meet you where you are on the floor and assist you through your sales process. And for as chaotic as it seems when you walk through the door, there's a system there to get you through it. And you just kind of flow, and it's like, oh, that was painless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Lena, small business person. Go ahead, um, Raisa. Another area that I see is, you know, it, it's kind of catch-22. There's the failure to capture repeat customers and, with, and also the focus on new customers versus old customers. For example, you see how cell phone companies um, market to new customers and give them low prices and perks that are not available to the older customers and have that retention. Could you speak to that some? Um, absolutely. So this is this is one of those areas um, that they when you when you first start off in marketing, it, it's definitely one of those conversations that come up very um, in the very beginning. And at the end of the day, while attracting new customers may be rewarding. Um, it's actually cheaper to retain your customers and the inability to focus on those customers that you already have um, actually is, is, is a very expensive uh, 
uh, mistake to make, if you will. Now, I guess that's the best way to say it. Uh, if if you put in that energy towards those pre-existing customers, is number one, going back to that that conversation about the customer journey, is how you convert that person from a buyer. So I bought that first time into turning them into that loyalist that's going to buy every time you put out a product. And so from that, I think that, you know, with small business owners, especially the newbies, that, you know, they they definitely need to come up with a system, whether it's a loyalty program, some type of affiliate program, um, something that just keeps their their current customer engaged. Also, uh, one of my favorite things with with current customers is just staying, if you can, and depending on, let me me preface this, if you can, and depending on where, what type of services you offer, I think it's very important to offer just the genuine, like, thank you and happy birthday or happy anniversary. So that part of that is like having a robust CRM or customer relationship management tool that will allow you to, um, you know, gather this information from your customers along the way while they're buying or, you know, through their interactions with them. And so if I knew, if, you know, it's, it's something special about getting a happy birthday, for me a happy birthday with either a gift or, you know, something attached to it, or even just a genuine just happy birthday from a place where I spend my money you know, that tells me that they care about more than just collecting from me. That's a good point. Sky, you had a comment or a question? Yes. Um, I, I'm just thinking, you know, back to when I was um, working my first uh, small business, and um, I put so much time into, um, as you mentioned earlier, developing the product, um, working with my customers, uh, creating pretty much my standards for my brand, but I really did not do a lot of marketing. So what should be or what should you um, as a small business person in terms of time allotment, is there a certain amount of time or hours or uh, just to quantify how much time we should be investing in marketing, you know, really sitting down and concentrating and creating a marketing plan? Because that's one thing that I, I mean, I had a website, and um, but that's one thing that I really did not spend a lot of time on, um, especially, well, I'll say social media, because I did belong to, like, a business networking group, and, you know, I did things like that. But for those small business people who have a small shop, they might be a one-man shop or just a couple of people in their business, how much time should we allot for that, or is it a percentage of our uh, time that we should allot for marketing? Well, you know, you know, time is one of those things that really just depends on how much of it you have. Um, in the beginning, you are spending a lot of time perfecting the, the product, and, and this is actually what I would say. Before you go to market, you should have some semblance of, you know, your product should be, as close to perfect, you know, you it evolves over time as mm-hmm. you're, you know, putting it out there with the the clients and getting feedback from them. But you know, how do you get it out to the clients? How do they know you exist if you're not putting the time into marketing? So, mm-hmm. so for me, one of the things that I highly recommend, um, especially in the beginning, is a 50-50 conversation. Many times, I've received business plans from clients, and you'll have this really robust. Um, 
plan around the financials and the operations, and then, like, the marketing part will be one page. And I'm like, oh, but we got to do more. You know, like, um, how how are you using the platform? And it doesn't mean, let me say this, especially because you brought up social media. Being on social media is such a, like, social media is, is such a great tool when used the right way, right? You do not have to be on every single platform. Um, you don't need a Facebook, an Instagram, a Twitter, a LinkedIn. You don't need all of them. What you need are the platforms where your clients are, you know, and, mm. and where, where are they. And so, you know, for some people, their their client might be on an Instagram. Some people do exceptionally well on LinkedIn. So, for instance, um, I've had clients that uh, specialized in HR and, like, resumes and you know, they, they really honed in on that space. Well, LinkedIn is the perfect space for them because where would you find people looking for jobs better than a space that's dedicated to business professionals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, if I had this, let's just say, beautifully aesthetic product that I want to sell, then it's visual. So, you know, Instagram would be more of your space with that door into, say, a Facebook, right? Because both of those spaces you can really display, you know, product very well. Right. right. So mm-hmm. I, I think that understand that that's where the plan of marketing comes in, right? Understanding not only just, you know, oh, I'm going to give 10 hours to marketing, but what about it? You know, coming mm-hmm. up with that plan and then the execution thereof. And if, if, you, if you plan properly, that, that 10 hours would be used so efficiently that you, you know, would definitely see the bang for your buck, if you will, right? Um, I don't like to give a percentage of time because no two weeks are the same. Some, day, some weeks you, you may need to lean a little bit more towards operations or towards product development, and then sometimes it's more of a focus on marketing. I have clients that, you know, they may spend all the beginning of a month or the last month you know, prepping for the months to come just on all of their social media posts, just getting them ready to go. And, um, you know, they use various tools like Later.com to preload everything so that they're not necessarily having to do this day-to-day kind of let me, you know. Now, yeah, they're checking to make sure things are live, but they're not having to spend three hours a day loading on social media or, you know, writing a blog or whatever the conversation around how they're delivering their marketing plan is, right? So it's it's really definitely looking at it with some substantive time, and it's not something that you, you put as a secondary effort. I think it should be completely in alignment with product development and operations. Okay. Did that help? Did that answer your question? Yes, definitely. Okay, good, good. So you spoke to the marketing plan. What are the key ingredients of that marketing plan? And how often should people be looking at their marketing plan and updating their marketing plan? Oh, that's a yummy question. Awesome. Well, (laughs) key ingredients of a marketing plan actually – the the opening of it is literally what we talked about in the beginning, which is that target demographic and, like, really having that understanding of what it is they are doing in that particular era of time. So every year um, various generations evolve and they move into, like, if you will, this next um, space in life. Does that make sense, right? Yeah. 
So yeah. it, it's like, okay, the baby boomers were called baby boomers when they were 40, but the baby boomers when they were 40 versus now, you know what I mean? Totally different conversation between the two. So you want to know how your product is servicing your target demographic in that particular time. Um, competitor analysis always very important. And and I use competitor loosely because I really believe that with our businesses, we are our number one competitor. We we are our own competitor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good to know what's happening in the market or the industry in which you are in. So you you do want to take a look at okay, well, what's happening here. Um, and and where can you take it? How can you be innovative in the space with that knowledge, right? Um, and then once you get past that point, now you're looking at your strategy for the year. And what I mean by that is, okay, what are your campaigns? What are you going to do? What do you want to focus on? Do you have any new product rollouts that year? Um, how are you, if you only have the, you know, the same few products, what's going to be different this year um, to maintain your current um customer, as we were talking about earlier, and then also how are you attracting new customers, right? Um, oh, let me take a step back. When you're looking at your, your target demographic, another great thing to have in your marketing plan is what we call buyer persona, right? And that's where you, you have that breakdown of who those buyers are. And, you know, you make a fictitious character and you literally get into the psychology of that person. And so that, that customer profile should be position in there as well. So just wanted to make sure I added that because that, that's pretty important and a lot of small businesses don't know to have that. Um, but, yeah, your marketing calendar is a big piece, and that's that campaign layout um, month by month, uh, week by week. What are you doing? What do those campaigns look like? How are you communicating to your, your customers and your prospective customers? Um, what platforms are you using? And so when I create campaigns, Let's just say, like, this is Women's History Month, right? Um, I would look at the month and say, okay, well, what can we do? Are we going to do any give? Like, I'm going to, if I was, let's use the company that's in the market right now. If I was Honey Pot, this is Women's History Month. Um, they're, they're making a big splash in the news right now. And so um, I think they are looking at what are they doing digitally, right? How are they responding? Something they're having to do right now to any uh, PR that's happening around their brand, uh, any giveaways that you may want to consider doing. Uh, so all of those things should be built out into a campaign, and what you do is you just create a calendar around it. And what that does is it allows you to be more fluid and responsive to things as opposed to reactive. When you know ahead of time what's coming down the pipeline, and typically what I we typically consider um, a good time for planning your next year. Um, your next year's marketing plan is like six months out so that you're not like chasing your tail. So if we're looking at holiday campaigns, we're looking at holiday campaigns in July for 2021, not for 2020, you know, because we already kind of mapped that out. We're actually in the implementation stage of 2020's holiday campaign. Awesome. Thank you. I know that's a lot. Did that help? What, did that answer the question? <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's is. a lot. Awesome. And as, mm-hmm. I, as I have been finding out that a lot of the times like we at FIS are looking at our marketing campaign and how to bring on uh, membership, mm-hmm. I found that there's so many back steps that we need to take in order to to get the website correct, 
um, address mm-hmm. our social media interactions and other areas that you really have to do in order to have an effective marketing campaign. So um, can you give us some feedback on that? So you're saying, to, let me make sure I'm understanding the question. So to create an effective marketing campaign, what should you be looking at? You need to have other factors in place or already established. For example, uh, a website that, and maybe that's part of the marketing campaign to, to yes. evolve that website or whatever other media you have out there so that it does effectively attract the market that you're trying to get as well as um, give them opportunities to buy your product or tune tune in to your channel, whatever it is you're asking your audience to do. So you you don't want to just have what I'm saying, right? I mean, almost everybody has a web page. But is your web page doing what it needs to be doing to give you that effective marketing strategy? Got it. Okay. So with the with with any and all of your mediums when you are creating a campaign, there should be that going back to that that consistency, there should be consistency across the board. And so a lot of times what I find is that um we create these websites and then we put them out there and then we kinda just expect them to, to do what we want them to do. Um and and in part that that should be true, but keeping your website in alignment with the messaging that you're putting out on social media, on blogs, you might be doing podcasts, whatever, whatever the message is at a given time, I like to call it that hero image. That's that first thing a person sees when they come to your website. They they should be able to find when they first log on something about whatever it is you're promoting on those other platforms on your website, and that's just so so that consistency and vice versa, right? So if I'm on your website and you're putting up something new or if you send me out an email and you're talking about a particular promotion, I should be able to go to your social media pages. I should be able – this should be a message, this campaign message for the duration of time that that campaign is running should be easily accessible. Um, one of the things that, that small businesses or, or even some larger businesses, believe it or not, struggle with is um, the ease of access to the product or the promotion in which you are looking to promote. Um, people don't want to hunt and peck. So if you say, hey, join me tonight for my podcast, you might want to have a link in the header. You want to have links everywhere because don't make them go look for it. Otherwise, we're in a world of so much noise. People are easily distracted. And, you know, next thing you know, they're back on their Instagram feed, just searching through, clicking and liking stuff, and totally forgot about your podcast just like that because yeah. there was no ease of accessibility there. Okay. okay. So we, we talked about marketing budget and time. Now, let's talk about mm-hmm. money as well. Is oh, there yeah. a certain percent of your mm-hmm. revenue or a certain, even if you don't have the revenue, maybe you just need the capital there to dedicate to a marketing budget? Um, Absolutely. So what's customary um, for businesses is 
um, what was suggested is 3 to 10% of your annual revenue should be uh, put towards your marketing budget. Uh, and for some people, that's enough. But I think on the on the front end, sometimes it's a little bit more. So when you're getting started, you know that that number is probably a little bit higher. I mean, we're probably more like 25 to 30 percent, only because you are building up traction um, through brand awareness. And the reality is, is that that's where that marketing plan is so important to understand to whom you're delivering it to and. Um, have an understanding of those campaigns for how long, and also you're able to look at your marketing budget and really see, okay, which one of these may have the most impact um, and go from there, you know? So I, I think that if I looked at my marketing budget and I wanted to do, let's say, something extremely expensive like television, um, I would probably have to be a much larger company because those guys are expensive, but what's the alternative to that? well, maybe we can create a video and we can run that video on YouTube. That could be way more affordable than a traditional television campaign. Or maybe we can have some type of link that can take you to a video on a landing page that we put up on Instagram, and we know that, you know, those ads are significantly less expensive than, you know, a television or a radio buy as well. So it's just really looking at what you desire in the form of reaching your target demographic and what's affordable based on what your budget is at a given time. So in the world, just to kind of recap that, you want to look at 3 to 10%, you know, once you're really established. In the beginning, you want to look somewhere like 25 to 30% of your revenues just because you're gaining traction. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what do you really have to give. You know, taking into consideration you have to keep operations afloat um, through the purchasing and guidance of your product or service. And that's why I asked the question about capital, because in the beginning you may not even have revenue, but if you don't, if you are not marketing, then that's kind of a catch twenty-two. Yeah, it can be. Um, but in that particular case, earlier on too, when you don't have a lot of capital, creating really great partnerships and also um, coming up with campaigns that are unique to garner PR. And when I say um, PR, you're not looking for, yes, being on the big news stations are great, but sometimes you have to look for your low-hanging fruit, podcasts, YouTube channels, um, even startup podcasts and YouTube channels. If they have a following um, and it, it speaks to your target demographic, then, hey, why not? You know, you're just getting started and you're really just trying to attract uh, as many, you know, eyes to your product that can be converted into buyers and, like I said, loyalists in the long run. Right. So as we are uh, putting those campaigns out there and we begin looking at the metrics, I know some of the things that we look at is, are how many clicks did we get, how many likes, et cetera, and for example, for us, we get clicks, we get likes. How do we translate the click-through rate and website visit revenue? Well, in part, you have to look at, okay, if I'm getting clicks and, you know, I know that eyeballs are, are looking, you know, at what I'm putting out there, if they're not converting, then it might be time to 
message up your message or how you're delivering your message, that's a clear sign that what you're putting out there isn't uh, like something connected with them to get them to click, but the next part of the message, you, you might not have a clear call to action, right? Um, they may not understand their return on their investment. So when it's products, it's easy. Um, my return on my investment is receiving the product, but okay, if I get the product and the product's not good, now we have another problem. But at least getting them, as far as knowing what's working, is the conversion rate. Your conversion rate is the number of buyers after seeing the number of clicks, you know, and also the retention rate on the page. So let's just say if we're looking at your your website, I click on your website. How long was I there? How how many pages did I click on while I was there? So was I looking for more information? Uh, that gives you an idea of if that first page that they landed on is working. Because if I click for more information, that means, okay, that kind they gave them a little bit, but now they need more, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is it shopping cart abandonment? Are people putting things in the cart and then not closing? And then if that's the case, why not? Um, you can use things like AdWell. AdWell does like what they call retargeting marketing. And it, it can be affordable, you know, and, and I use that word loosely because, you know, that means something different to everyone. But AdWell allows you to retarget people who abandon the cart. So if I if I clicked on my favorite pair of boots or this pair of boots that I really love, you know, next thing I know I see this ad on Facebook. I might see this ad when I'm looking on MSN.com. I might see it again pop up somewhere in my Instagram feed. That's a retargeting ad because you know someone likes that product enough to put it in the cart, but for some reason or another they abandon. And in that retargeting ad you can do things like offer them a small percentage off to get them to convert into a buyer or maybe there's, you know, just something, a, a, a higher level of engagement. So, you know, those are ways to, to take those numbers and utilize them in a way that can benefit you down the line. If you get in clicks and no traction, evaluate the why. Which means that you really have to look at the data and, and see what's Absolutely. going on with actions on your site. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you want to look at that daily. Tip, what's usual and customary is to track that on a monthly basis. And if you, let's just say as far as like an email campaign, if you put that email campaign out, that first week of data is the most important. So you should be looking at your bounce rates within the first 24, not only your bounce rates, but your open rates as well, within that first 24 to 72 hours to say, okay, how is that working? Did people click on it? And that gives you some understanding of how to proceed the next time. Or if you do a follow-up email, you know, you can you can take those people who did click on it and re-submit um, a secondary email to them and say, hey, you know, just want to tell you this is still available or, you know, whatever the next level of conversation is. Um, but I think that it's important to, to follow the data and make adjustments to your campaigns and your messaging based upon what the data is telling you. And, you know, that's an awesome uh, segue into um, the services that your company provides. If you'd like to uh, take a moment to um, share some additional information about your company, your services, and um, any events or things like that that you may have coming up. And then we'll open the line for caller questions. Absolutely. So um, the brand Leela, um is a is my personal brand 
portion of my overarching company, which is Moray Creative Group. And Moray Creative Group actually offers a number of marketing services, um, starting with uh, marketing strategies, providing clients with clear-cut understanding of who they are and where they stand in the marketplace. Uh, we also do digital marketing services such as social media, everything from uh, strategy around it to helping you plan out your content for the year and also developing, you know, the design around the design work around it. And so we're basically a full service agency um, built for the small business owner. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And as far as events, we're not necessarily planning any physical events right now, but we do have some coursework that we are planning to roll out um, at the end of March and early April for those people who can't necessarily afford to obtain an agency but still want to have an understanding and they're willing to, you know, invest a small amount in order to get the knowledge that they need to be successful. That would be awesome. Yay. Tell me the question for you. Who are yeah. your mentors and influencers? Um, let's see. From an influencer standpoint, oh, my goodness, I, I have so many, and probably many of them that don't even know they exist in my world. <laughs> but um, from a marketing standpoint, um, I can never pronounce her full name, but she goes by on her Instagram page, Badass Boss right, D-O-Z, and she is this phenomenal, dynamic woman who is in the entertainment space, but when it comes to brand and marketing, she is absolutely phenomenal and was has been responsible for some of the most amazing campaigns um, that have taken place in our time, um, especially in the last decade. In addition to her... Um, Seth Golden is someone whom I follow very closely. I kind of feel like he's one of the gurus, if you will, around the marketing world, and I really like to, um, you know, chime in and listen, you know, to what he has to say. Uh, he's been really influential in my world, if you will, in regards to not what I know from, like, um, my day-to-day work, but just kind of like studying the foundation, if you will, for my uh my understanding of marketing. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, there's a number of them, and, and they're all, like, really great. Um, who comes to mind off of hand? Those are the two that, like, really surfaces up, that bubble up. I like Gary Vee. I listen to him a lot. Um, I like his no-nonsense kind of approach, if you will, to running a business. That's really cool for me. Um because so many people tiptoe around business and they're really scared to take chances and take risks. And, you know, while I don't agree with all of his messages because sometimes they're, like, really out there, I do believe that there is this space where we should just jump and jump in the water. We, you know, we have a term that's the MVP, your minimum viable product. When we get that, get it and go and see how that works and then make the adjustments as you're going along. And so that's a big part of his message. Okay. Thank you for that. Are there any callers who have questions? Can open the line. Can press one to let us know that you'd like to come on the air. And in the oh, we just had someone open ask a question. Um, eight five one one. Eight five one one. You are on the line. Okay. How are you? Thank you all. Um. 
So I've been listening. I have really enjoyed this show. You have really uh, confirmed to me how important it is to have a really good marketing campaign. And I heard you say the 10% uh, – no, you first you started off with the 3 to 10% marketing uh, and upwards to 25 to 30% when you're starting off in business. So I am definitely convinced just based on this knowledge that I have acquired listening to you that I will, you know, uh, that would be my budget. I will look into, as I start, get my business off the ground, I would look into the higher end of uh, a marketing campaign because I don't know, um, you know, I'm not uh, uh, as learned on this information and I realized tonight, listening to you, just how much information is out there in, in reference to marketing. So thank you very much for this. And I will – do you work all over the country? If someone is – no matter where they're at, you could, you know, help them? Um, Absolutely. And, and it is my absolute pleasure that this is what I'm here for, to help small business owners and startups, you know, get their a solid foundation under them. And to the second part of your question, yes, I, I work with people all over the world technically. I've had clients in other countries um, and mostly, you know, pretty much all 50 states or a majority of them. I travel when necessarily, but for the most part, a lot of the work that I do, we're able to conduct utilizing just, you know, online tools or our phones. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much, and you've been very enlightening. I do appreciate this uh this show. Thank you, sis um, administrators. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Lee, while, while we wait for other questions, um, there's an area that I often see addressed poorly that causes more um, negative issues than positive. So, how do you respond to? when you receive negative feedback, and we know that there's sometimes haters out there, so you just got hate coming at you. But then other times, there may be justified criticism that we can learn from. So from a marketing perspective, how would we respond to this feedback? Well, I think, you know, the first part is exactly what you said, you know, figuring out, is it a legitimate complaint, right? Um, I think the biggest thing that I find is just not to run from it. You know, a lot of times we just try to ignore it, um, legitimate or otherwise. And the reality is, no, we don't, you know, want to get into a lot of back and forth with people, especially when you know it's not something legitimate. But if it's legitimate, you know, answer, you know, and, and, and if necessary, apologize and do what you can to better the experience for the customer or whomever, you know, had the encounter. If it's, if it's not legitimate, you know, what I am a believer of, let's just say you had a campaign or something happened and, you know, maybe it was somewhere where you misspoke in an interview, um, you know, you want to work with someone who can help you phrase what it is you need to phrase properly, and then, you know, just just put out the proper apology and do what you can to make it better and and make better steps moving forward. Um, And and that's really all we can do. We can only, you know, embrace it and make the necessary changes to do better. And and if you're going to promise to do better, we'd love to stay a promise. That's the most important. If you did, I've seen it go both ways. I've seen people 
you know, talk the talk but not walk it when the opportunity is presented to them. So they may say we're going to do better, but then they turn around and they do something similar again. Don't apologize unless you mean it. Yeah. And, you know, don't run, don't run from the criticism. Yeah. You hear the term that um, all, all marketing opportunities can be good marketing opportunities, whether they're positive or negative. Absolutely. Absolutely. You definitely can take something negative and turn it into something positive for the business. It, to me, it's in alignment with, you know how they say, you don't fail, you learn. Um, mm-hmm. you, you have to look at it from that standpoint. It's not a failure. It's an opportunity for learning and growth. Um, and so if, if you could get that out the way earlier on and, and make the necessary, necessary steps to adjust, that's, that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Were there any points that we did not cover that you wanted to cover? I want to make sure that we get to all of the goodies that you have for us. You know, I think that we did. I think one of the things that I have been, you know, as as a marketer and, and being in this space, things evolve so much. So the one thing that I will say to people is to continue to learn, like the same way you learn your business um, and, and understanding your industry, make sure you're saying uh, either you hire someone who can do it or you do it yourself to stay abreast of what's happening in the trends and in the marketplace. You know, right now it's so interesting. We're in this um, space with, you know, the coronavirus happening and all of these events being shut down. And for the most part, in some cases, there could have been a contingency plan where they took the event digital, and in some cases they're not. And so, you know, this is a great learning opportunity for us. How do we prepare for well, you know, pandemics or, you know, just just being abreast and being able to pivot accordingly. Um, something like this, looking at your event contracts and digging into them. So it, it's really about marketing. Oh, that was up to me, sorry. When you're looking at, at, like, your events, like, how are you putting the message back out to the people who were coming to see you specifically at South by Southwest? Or, you know, how, how are you messaging or how are you so, – so being able to pivot when something, like, goes left is going to be very important to the growth of your business. That's what I was going to say. And then secondly, the only other thing that from my research that I've been really digging into lately is the customer experience. Um, one of the customer experiences that I had – um, within the last year that really made me dive into this space and just develop an even deeper understanding. What I had was I had made a purchase um, from a young lady who's a small business owner um, around the holiday, and she had specifically posted, hey, if you order by this date, you can have this by Christmas, right? Um, I knew that personally just knowing how USPS worked that there was a chance that it wouldn't come, but that wasn't what she stated. The way she stated it is that it was a definitive, right? And so what I saw afterwards, because, you know, we actually, I actually have a, a – um, outside of her business page, I have a connection to her on a personal page, was her complaining about her customers on her personal page. Not realizing, not realizing that your customers on your personal page can all, you mean on your business page and your personal page sometimes overlap. And, and so you would I want them to. 
Yeah, exactly, right? But even though she wasn't speaking to me specifically, it left such a bad taste in my mouth. Even though I love her product, I cannot bring myself to order from her again, you know? Because it's like you're complaining because people are asking where is your gifts for the holiday. However, they're not getting them in time for the holiday, and you made the declaration. Right. And so, you know, so you gotta be you got to be particular about what you're putting out there from a personal perspective and your business perspective because they are aligned, right, and what you think will spill out. So if you're not genuine about what it is you're doing or you're going into this just for money, the customer experience will lack. And so you want to be conscious of that. That's very important. And we were hearing a little feedback. I'm not sure where it's coming from, but let's, I just wanted to remind everybody to turn, if you have a computer or something on, please turn the volume down a little. But um, I have a question as we um, kind of start to wind down. I hope I'm coming through okay. Um, yes, I can hear you. Okay. Is the, is, aside from, because you brought it up, the coronavirus situation that we're in now, Aside from that, if that was not happening, is there still value or how much value is there in the face-to-face meeting, in the meetups, in the networking? I know at one point that was, like, very, very important in terms of marketing and moving your business forward. So now, um, you know, with all of the different um, mediums that we have and the technology that we have, is, is there still as much value in the face-to-face? Uh, the networking, the meetups? I actually believe that there is. Um, There is something about the human connection um, that cannot be translated digitally, you know. I am quicker to pick up a phone and have a conversation with you than to text you. And if I can meet with you in person, me personally, that's all the greater. Um, I, I don't think, yes, you know, I think that from a standpoint of something like the coronavirus, we should be cognizant of not going into a space if we're sick or, you know, not, not feeling well. But I don't think that we, we should um, avoid the, the human interaction um, and, mm-hmm. and the power of it, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Kalila, any tools that you want to leave us with? Any new tools that are out there, you mentioned Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, any specifics that we should begin to look at as we develop our marketing campaign? You know, later is another big one that you mentioned to do your scheduling so that you can do mm-hmm. build your marketing later. campaign in advance and, and, and plug them in and you can do this later. I find that it's been a wonderful tool for me as well. Um, anything else? Well, you know, like I, like you just said, later.com is, is one of my favorite, especially when it comes to scheduling. Um, it, it allows you to schedule and then kind of just let it run, um, and it also gives you analytics on the back end to be able to see, you know, how it's performing. Um, I am a huge, huge fan, where relevant, of creating – um, teachable content, you know, like content that from your brand that you can actually teach to people. I know you have, like, you know, the financial coursework. And so taking that and putting it into a space where it can be automated, where you don't have to handhold every single time someone wants to take the class is always something awesome. And so for that, I use platforms like Teachable. Um, and there is also uh, Thinkific. 
I think it is for that one as well. Um, but there's there's those platforms for teaching. Um, when you talk webinars, um, I I still like you know some of the old fashioned ones. Um, I also you know like a good Zoom you know every now and again I use that one as well. Um, I'm trying to think what other tools out there have I been using more frequently. Canva, Canva is my favorite. Canva takes a novice and makes them a graphic designer. I mean, you can really create some really cool content and consistency around your brand using a tool like Canva. Um, and that's for those guys, like whether you can afford a graphic designer or not, it allows you to kind of even create concepts to hand off to a graphic designer to say, I want it to look something like this, as opposed to trying to verbally define it to them. I mean, it's such a great tool. Um, let me see, what else am I using currently? I mean, those are the ones that come top of mind, and they're actually all very affordable in the sense of cost. Um, oh, and we talked about a CRM. Um, one of the CRMs that I actually like um, is called HubSpot, and HubSpot basically allows you to set up a CRM where you're basically maintaining your client's data. This is how you know when your client's birthdays are, how many, how many times you've contacted them uh, via email or phone or whatever, you know, ways that you reach out to your clients. Um, but also to, to gather information back on them like your personal data. And so you might want to look into HubSpot or CRM. But, yeah, those, those are some of the ones that come to mind initially. Thank you. That was a wealth of knowledge. And for those of you who really don't understand the breadth of all of this online tools and digital software for marketing and to help you get your message out there, you just got a lot of information. <laughs> so please go back, listen again, and experiment with these tools. Thank you, Leela, so much for your wealth of knowledge. And thank you for my pleasure, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. Your contact info one more time, and then I'm going to ask Guy to just announce the next show. All right. So um, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, everything for me, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, is under the brand Leela. Um, as far as contacting me via email, you can contact me at lw at thebrandleela.com. Thanks again, awesome. Scott. Thanks. Yes, um, we're inviting everybody to join us next Thursday, March 19th. And our show would be um, we'll, um, how to maintain a healthy mental, mental state of mind in trying times. And uh, we're in a period of time right now where there's high energy. There's um, a lot going on in our life besides our daily living. So we have our special guest, Lakia Downs, who's founder of the SOAR firm. She's a therapist and social worker, and she has a clinical uh, practice degree. And she will be with us to give us tools and to empower us to live our best lives through um, these trying times that we may find ourselves in. Quite often we might be going through a lot and not even realize it, so Lakia is going to join us with some um, very valuable information on how to maintain our sanity as we live and work from day to day. Okay, so we look forward to having you with us next week. 
You've been listening to Cis Empowerment Radio. Until the next time, remember to infuse harmony into your everyday living. Good night.